big warm summary welcome for Pat Scott. One summer, my roommate and I had almost three weeks off. Rather than waste it, we decided on the spur of the moment to hitchhike to the south of France. We had heard the Saint-Tropez was buzzing, so that's where we were headed. We had no money for hotels, so decided to camp. Neither of us had ever camped before, but seriously, how hard could it be? We asked around and were able to borrow a one-man tent. We reckoned that would be fine for two 20-year-old girls to sleep in. A few days later, with rucksacks, sleeping bags and a tent, we headed to Larne Harbour. Once on the ferry, we got chatting to some lorry drivers who took us under their wing and were able to get us lifts as far as the meat market in Paris. From there, they passed us on to another driver who was heading south. A few hundred miles further and we started hitching lifts to our destination. Everything went smoothly and at 4am one sultry, warm morning, we were dropped at a beach. We were exhausted and had no idea where we actually were, but as there was no sign of a town, we decided to get some sleep. There was a large, partially upturned rowing boat on the sand, so we climbed underneath it and fell asleep, using our sleeping bags as pillows. Some hours later, we woke. The heat under the boat was suffocating, and we were drenched in perspiration. Our hair and clothes were sticking to us. We crawled out, blinking in the bright sunlight. As our eyes adjusted to the light, we looked around and realised we were on a nudist beach. <laughs> An older gentleman was marching purposefully up the beach, looking very much like a retired policeman, with his back straight, his hands clasped behind his back, and striding out in time to some beat that we couldn't hear. We had full view of his willy, swinging from side to side, <laughs> in time to his footsteps. This was not the start to the day that we had envisaged. We were so hot that we decided to go for a swim to cool down, but we couldn't quite bring ourselves to strip off completely. Instead, we undressed our underwear and ran into the waves. We felt conspicuously overdressed, but we were from Northern Ireland, and we weren't given in to loose European practices. <laughs> Using our map, we headed out, we worked out that we were walking distance from Saint-Tropez, so we headed off. We found a campsite on the outskirts of the town and unpacked the tent. There was a confusing array of oddly shaped pegs, metal tubes and nylon material. We tried our best to erect the tent, but it was like the Krypton factor. Happily, three Geordie lads arrived and after pitching their tent beside us, they volunteered to help us. When we tried to climb into it to sleep, we realised why it had been described as a one-man tent. We had to take it in turns to sleep in the tent and outside of it under the stars. We had great crack with the Geordie lads for the duration of the holiday, although I think they misread how grateful we were for their help, as two of them confided to us that the third one was still a virgin. They asked if one of us would like to do the honours and help them to rectify a situation. We thanked them for their generous offer, but, but politely declined. We had a blast for a fortnight. It's an amazing place that was teeming with the rich and famous, and although we couldn't afford to join in that circle, we enjoyed observing their lifestyle of yachts, parties, and champagne. We became friends with two fellas who were not just great fun, but who had a, a two-seater convertible sports car. 
We spent a number of days touring the south of France, sitting on a ledge at the back of the car with the sun beating down and the wind in our hair. It was the stuff of romance novels. But all good things must come to an end, and soon it was time for us to pack up and get on the road. We expected the same seamless journey home as we had experienced outbound, but it was not to be. Fate had a few more surprises in store for us. We were somewhere in central France when we got a lift with a young man driving a bread delivery van. He spoke good English, which meant that we didn't even have to try to speak French, which in turn meant that he didn't know that we both had a decent smattering of his language. We started to get a bit concerned when he turned off the main road, but he reassured us that he just needed to speak to his friend for a moment. He jumped out of the van outside a garage and started to talk animatedly to his friend. We wound down the window and caught snatches of the conversation drifting on the wind. We looked at each other in sheer disbelief. The driver was telling his friend to make an excuse to get out of work and that he would call back for him after he had dropped us off somewhere secluded. Before we could think what to do, the driver was back in the van and we were on the move. There was no more conversation from him. We sat in terrified silence, clutching each other's hands and staring wide-eyed as we began to realise just how deep the trouble was that we were in. A short time later, the van stopped and we were told to get out and wait as he had a a delivery to make, but that he would be back soon. He had chosen the spot well. It was a tiny country road with no houses in sight and flanked by steep banks with hedgerow on top. We knew that we needed to hide, but there wasn't even a gate in sight that allowed access to a field. We didn't know how long we had before the two men came back, so we couldn't risk starting to search for a gate. There was nothing else for it but to scramble up the bank and force our way through thick, prickly hedgerow. We were in shorts, but such was our panic that we didn't even notice that our legs were getting torn and bloodied. We slid down the other side of the bank and ran along a dry ditch, until we saw a bit that was partially overgrown. We climbed onto the cover of the foliage and sat hugging each other tightly. It wasn't long before we heard the noise of the van. The two men drove up and down the road several times before stopping and getting out, calling for us. We clutched each other, barely breathing, fearing for our lives. Silent tears streamed down my face. My heart was thumping so loudly I was sure they would hear it. After what seemed like forever, we heard the the sound of the van disappearing into the distance. We stayed hidden for a little while longer before deciding that we couldn't risk going onto the road again just yet, so we hiked across fields for some time before coming to a main road. My tears had dried by now and our black northern Irish humour was kicking in as we recalled a film we had seen about two girls hitchhiking across America. One was brunette and one was fair, just like us. We argued good-humouredly about which one got murdered and which one got away. (laughs) Looking back, I think it was our way of diffusing some of the gripping fear and paralysing panic of the nightmare we had just lived through. As darkness fell that night, we found ourselves on a large ring road outside Paris with nowhere to stay and no real clue as to which road would take us towards Calais. We were beginning to feel pretty low as we ruminated on the events of the day and started to delve into the what-ifs, and how differently things could have turned out. 
A car pulled up and a couple asked us where we were going. When they heard that we had nowhere to stay, they offered that we could sleep on the floor of their apartment, although as they were returning from holidays, there was no food in the house. On the journey, they chided us kindly about the dangers of hitchhiking. The floodgates opened and we told them everything that had happened that day. They couldn't have been kinder to us and salvaged our opinion of the French. Their apartment was small and tastefully adorned with art, but also with several crucifixes. Somehow this made us feel safe. In the morning, they gave us black coffee and crackers, as these were the only foods that they could offer us. They gave us a lift to the road that would eventually lead to Calais, and as we hugged goodbye, they told us that they would pray for our safe return to Belfast. Their prayers were obviously heard because we had a drama-free run to Calais, where our brilliant Irish lorry drivers again came to the rescue and took care of us right back to Belfast. Back at work the following day, we got plenty of mileage and loads of laughs from our holiday stories, but one thing was for certain, neither of us ever went on another hitchhiking holiday again. <laughs>